0: Today on Blue 58, the Packers are back on the field in Green Bay. Let's break down the biggest storylines from day one of Minicamp and talk about two guys turning heads already, one of whom is doing so because he is a new addition. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. Right away, before we get too far, I want to remind you that if you would like to participate in the Blue 58 Book Club, we are starting with our discussion of Chapter 1 of Blood, Sweat, and Chalk in the very next episode. So the next time you hear from us, part of the episode will be devoted to breaking down the first chapter of that book. If you haven't bought it yet, there's still plenty of time to get involved. We're going to be taking this fairly slow at the start, just to let everybody get caught up who would like to be caught up. And if you would like to take that discussion a little bit further, we're just going to go ahead and shout out our discord server right now which is available to patreon supporters patreon.com slash the power sweep if you would like to get involved any dollar amount that you uh, give helps support the show helps keep us going keep this one oper- one man operation up and running and uh, we appreciate your support ever so much and in return we will get you into the discord server get you some bonus content and let you participate in the show in new and interesting ways sound good Good. Let's get started. The Packers are off and running at minicamp, and uh, not in attendance today is Aaron Rodgers. No surprise to anybody, but we've got to talk about it just by virtue of it happening. We won't spend a ton of time on this, but yes, Aaron Rodgers not present for today. He could be fined up to $93,000, $93,085, I believe to be precise, according to the collective bargaining agreement. But there is a significant but there. The Packers could choose to waive those fine by just saying that this absence was excused. And honestly, you can look at this a couple of ways, one of which is funny. So that is what I am preferring. The other one is very practical. The funny way to look at it is it's kind of a flex for the Packers to be like, oh, you're holding out. Actually, no, we said you could go. So this is just its kind of like, okay, you're having a tantrum, whatever. We're just not going to react and we're going to move on. Anybody with kids is going to know what that's like. Well, I see you pretending to get angry just to try to get attention. We're just going to move right past it and go on to the next thing. The other more practical way of looking at it is that the Packers and Rodgers are actively working, at least according to some reports. Not if you're Adam Schefter, who declared the Packers one of the worst teams in the league without Aaron Rodgers today. wouldn't even take that up. But... Um, The Packers and Rodgers are, according to some reports, working to resolve their differences, at least to some degree. And it makes sense for him to not be at training camp until those, or mini camp rather, until those differences are resolved. So there's very practical reason for him to not be in camp right now. If he and the Packers are trying to figure something out, how they can get on the same page, well, that's what they're going to do. Devonte Adams also in camp and uh, kind of clearing up some misconceptions about why he may have been absent as well, uh, saying no, it wasn't uh, wasn't something planned. It wasn't a show of support for Aaron Rodgers, though he does have Aaron Rodgers back. He was very clear to say he he is he supports Aaron Rodgers whatever Aaron Rodgers wants. And Adams didn't elaborate on that, uh, but he also did not do a whole lot at minicamp today, and there's good reason for that as well. It seems to be fairly well understood that the Packers are working to get a contract done with Devontae Adams. And it behooves him to not expose himself to undue injury if he can avoid that while those negotiations are underway. I do expect this deal to get done. And I think Devontae Adams is going to be in Green Bay for a long, long time. But um, until he does, there's really no reason for him to run around in non crucial practices and practices in June are not crucial leads me perfectly into my next point let's uh, cool it a little bit with the jordan love evaluations uh, a word from some in training camp or in mini camp today was that um he did not look great and that kind of builds off the evaluation coming out of otas that he was taking, taking a lot of checkdowns there's a lot of different ways that you can look at this but the f- real thing you have to avoid i think is is immunitizing the eschaton to put a really insane term on it. We don't need to make this look worse than it is. Sure, he can be a little bit rough right now, but being rough in June is not that unusual. And taking checkdowns is not at all that unusual in Matt LaFleur's offense. Just look at how Aaron Rodgers' depth of targets dropped from 2019 playing the quasi-McCarthy, quasi-LaFleur offense to 2020. It's a lot of short passes, this offense is very yak friendly. Yards after the catch are a big part of what they want to do. So I'm not concerned at all with Jordan Love taking checkdowns. That's part of the deal. This is also his first real action as the number one quarterback. This is also his first like live football since last training camp and really since the end of his college career, at the end of 2019. He's gone a year and a half without playing as a starter. There is going to be some growth required. And look, this is day one of minicamp. If we're getting to the end of training camp and Aaron Rodgers is not on the field and Jordan Love is still looking rough, if we got a couple preseason games under our belt and Jordan Love has looked bad, then maybe we start inching towards the panic button a little bit. But Right now, we don't need to get all up in arms about how Jordan Love looks or does not look. Speaking of looking good, two guys we've got to talk about. David Bakhtiari is back and moving around at OTAs and now at minicamp and says he is feeling good. He even went so far as to say he would be 100% back by the start of training camp in 2022. Ever the joker, David Bakhtiari. But he seems confident with uh, what progress he is making uh, sounded like he was pretty low there after the ACL tear on the last day of 2019. And who can blame him? The Packers looked like they were headed to the Super Bowl. And then he tore his ACL and they got beat in part because they couldn't stop pass rushers in the NFC championship game. That would sting for a while. He said he stopped feeling sorry for himself on January 2nd. If he was still feeling a little sorry for himself on February 2nd, I wouldn't, You know, begrudge him that at all. Sure, that's fine. Uh, You tore up your knee right before potentially the last good run the Packers could have, no matter who is quarterback this fall. Even if Aaron Rodgers does come back to the Packers and they go on a great run this year, there's no guarantee it's going to be as good as last year. And those shots at a Super Bowl are precious unless you've got sort, some sort of supernatural, unholy deal like Tom Brady has. But it is good to see that uh, David Bakhtiari is looking good and feeling good, and uh, I think that at least puts him on pace to, to easily clear that predicted um, start on the pup list that we've sort of laid out there. And that would do wonders for the rest of the Packers' offensive line. More on that, I guess, in a second, because we're going to talk about an offensive line prospect here. Finally, Devin Funchess, according to numerous beat reporters on the scene, and Matt LaFleur himself, quote-unquote, looks the part. And that looks pretty good. The knock on Funchess has never been his physical tools, but I think it was fair to be a little bit concerned about what those physical tools would look like for a guy who hasn't really played football in two years. He wasn't around for the Packers' offseason program last year because of COVID, and most of the previous season— Was lost due to a broken collarbone. Now he is back, looks in great shape, and in fact looks a little bit thinner than he did during his late Panthers and uh, brief tenure with the Colts. I don't know what that means one way or another. It's easy to look thin in, uh, you know, shorts and a t-shirt, essentially. Uh, But he looks like another big athletic receiver, which fits really well with what the Packers like to do. Where does he fit in? Who knows? but it's nice that he comes out at least looking like he's in good shape and a functional football player after two years essentially away from the game. Again, can't get too hung up on looking the part or whatnot, but that he at least looks healthy and capable of playing football at an NFL level after two years away it looks pretty good. That's about it. That's about all I got for you from uh, day one of of mini camp. And I think... It would be good for us to not, again, get too hung up on any one of these storylines. What we're trying to do here this week, if we're the Packers, is get out of here without any significant injuries. Show up, have three crisp days of practices. Nobody gets hurt. Get everybody together in the middle of the field Thursday afternoon. Say, all right, good practices, everybody. Stay safe. Don't do anything stupid. We'll see you in July and then we're going to go out and win a Super Bowl this season. That's all you want to do here in minicamp, and I think that's all the Packers are going to be looking to do. That's not to say there aren't longer-term storylines emerging here. I want to talk about one player and uh, one player related to a story. We'll talk about free agent signing Devondre Campbell here in a minute. But first, I want to talk about Ben Braden. We didn't get a chance to talk about him coming out of OTAs last week, but he earned some pretty high praise from Adam Stenovich after those three days of minicamp. Quote, I'm actually really excited about Ben to see what he's, what's going to happen with him because I think he gets a whole offseason under his belt, a couple of preseason games. I think he's really, he's going to really compete for a starting job at guard or tackle. End quote. Pretty wild words. From Adam Stenovic for a guy who is heading into his late 20s and has really never made a serious push to be on an active NFL roster for any extended amount of time. So who is this Ben Braden guy anyway and what is what are his chances of making an impact on the Packers roster? First questions first. Who is Ben Braden? He is a real big offensive line prospect. Six foot six, 329 pounds and a good athlete as well. Coming out of Michigan in 2016, he posted a 9.03 relative athletic score after um, combine testing. Pretty darn good. At Michigan, he started 36 games, played in 38 overall, and earned Big Ten, all Big Ten nods twice. Once was honorable mention, once second team, spent some time starting at both guard and tackle at Michigan. But since then, it's been a bit of a journey. He went undrafted in 2016. There were some potential injury concerns there. There's one scouting report I read that dove deep on his injury history. There was some talk about a back injury late in his Michigan career, I guess early in the last year of his Michigan career, that Michigan said was not a concern, but they had enough concern to hold him out of one game there as a senior. Some people think that may have caused him to go undrafted, but in any case, he ends up not being selected in the 2016 NFL draft and has been on a journeyman's journey since then, starting with the New York Jets. He signed with them in 2017. So I guess 2017 combine, rather, not 2016, 2017 combine, uh, amending something we said earlier. Signs to the practice squad with the Jets. In 2018, he had two games on the active roster. In 2019, he was released by the Jets after training camp, signed to the Packers practice squad, released, then signed back to the Jets Jets practice squad, spent one game on the active roster. 2020, mid-training camp, he's released by the Jets. He's signed by the Patriots. He's released by the Patriots. He is signed by the Packers practice squad in October of last year up and down from the practice squad throughout the year, ultimately spent four games on the active roster, four snaps on offense, 19 snaps on special teams. And now Adam Stenovich thinks he's got a chance to start at guard. So here's the real question. Is he any good? Well, though Adam Stenovich seems to think so, I am skeptical. Why? Well, let's consider the story of one John Runyon. He, too, was a long-term starter, at michigan but at one position and he was all big 10 at that position twice as well first team two both times he's just as athletic as ben braden but he still had to move positions as well and still went late in the draft and even now seemed though he seems like a contender to be a starting guard if everything was normal on the packers offensive line I think it would be a long shot for him to be a starter at guard. The idea that Braden is going to come in and win a starting guard job seems like a long shot, but let's play it out a little bit to see what the circumstances are. Let's assume that David Bakhtiari is not ready for the start of the season and ends up on the physically unable to perform list. It seems like Elton Jenkins is going to be out at tackle for sure. That means that Braden's best best path to a roster spot would be at guard, though I can see why they like him a little bit at tackle. He's bigger than Elton Jenkins. So if you're looking for length on the outside, maybe that's the that's the ticket for Braden. But let's, let's assume that guard is his logical spot here. The Packers have two incumbents there with Elton Jenkins out of the equation. You've got John Runyon and you've got Lucas Patrick. Patrick seems to be dialed in on the right side but the left guard spot seems up for grabs. Competing for that spot, I think you've got two draft picks, and then maybe Braden, and then a draft pick from 2019 in Simon Stepanek. So you've got Braden, you've got 2020 draft picks uh, Royce Newman and Colvin Lannon. and then in comes Ben Braden. The most direct competition to him seems to be Simon Stepanak, who has a similar physical profile, big, strong dude, athletic, long-term Big Ten starter, but there is the injury concern there. Runyon has the experience playing at an NFL level, so he is probably ahead of both of them, and then the other two guys are converted tackles. Maybe it's not that big of a long shot after all, just looking at the numbers game. He still, I think, is going to have to be really good, really good, better than anybody has seen in his NFL career to date, which is fairly long at this point to really merit a shot at getting a starting job. This is a long shot. It's an interesting long shot, but I think it's a long shot nonetheless. Next up, let's talk about Devontre Campbell. Packers made a rare move, signing a free agent, but it's a free agent at a nominal position of need. Devondre Campbell is an inside linebacker, and according to ESPN's Rob Domofsky, he will sign with the Packers pending a physical. Campbell was most recently a member of the Arizona Cardinals, played there in 2020, appeared in all 16 games, 99 tackles, 3 passage defense, 2 sacks, and 1 fumble forced. Prior to that, he was a draft pick of the Atlanta Falcons and played four years there, uh, appearing in 59 of a possible 64 games and starting 54. He's a pretty reliable tackler. Uh, Not huge numbers, but never fewer than 92 tackles in three of his four seasons there. He had 129 in 2019, probably his best seasons with the Falcons. A smattering of off the field, or not off the field, off the ball, ball hawking sort of plays. Five and a half sacks as a falcon, 16 passes defense, three picks, five forced fumbles. Not bad, but not spectacular. The knock on him is that he does not grade very well, uh, like the pro football focus numbers, but we'll talk about that in a second. Let's start with the positives. And he is not without positives. He is probably the best package of size and athleticism that the Packers have on their roster right now. Ty Summers and Oren Burks are both probably better athletes overall than Campbell is, but neither of them are as big. Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes are both thicker linebackers, though not a whole lot for Kamal Martin. He's still pretty light, but neither of them are as tall or as athletic. Campbell has both. A little bit light, 232 but 6 foot 4 ran a 458 40 yard dash coming out not too bad he is also by far the most experienced linebacker the packers have on the roster right now did a piece on this for the powersweep.com dating back to his first full season as a starter in atlanta he's never played fewer than 880 snaps in a given year so 17 18 19 20 never fewer than 880 snaps in a season on defense. Last year, the Packers, well, I guess the, the top two linebackers in terms of snaps from last year carrying over to this year, Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin, combined for 611 snaps last year. Sure, Christian Kirksey plays into that. Sure, both Barnes and Martin were limited by injury last year, but they just haven't played as much as Campbell has. And Campbell seems like a sort of guy who at least is going to make the plays available to him. Like, he's not a stat sheet stuffer. He's not a an elite contributor. But at least it seems like he's got the the experience to be competent at linebacker. And having competent linebackers is not a bad thing. However, I think there is a fair set of questions to be asked about how much he can really contribute to the Packers, if at all. The Packers have never really asked for much from their inside linebackers dating back to Dom Capers. And they've struggled at quite a few things. Making those splash plays, sacks, interceptions, plays in the ball, being elite run defenders, being good in coverage. Campbell really doesn't do any of those things. He doesn't grade out as a, a plus run defender. He doesn't make a ton of plays on the ball. He's not great in coverage. What's the appeal there? He doesn't fix any of the problems that they have. The book on Campbell coming out of college was that he was a reliable tackler who was not great in coverage, and he will miss some reads as a a run defender. And that's basically what he's been in the NFL. That doesn't seem like a huge upgrade for the Packers. On top of that, he doesn't do a lot of special teams work. So unless he is like your base linebacker, your number one linebacker, it doesn't seem like there's a clear path to the roster for him. Tugging on that thread a little bit further, a listener in our Discord server asked, and truncating the question here a little bit, but if Campbell stays, who goes? And I think that's a fair question because let's play that out a little bit. You've got Chris Barnes. You've got Kamal Martin. You've got Ty Summers. You've got Isaiah McDuffie. You've got Oren Burks. And now you've got Devondre Campbell. Six linebackers, probably competing for four spots. So let's say Campbell knocks out Oren Burks for sure. He doesn't play special teams, so Ty Summers is probably safe. And Isaiah McDuffie was also a is probably going to be a special teamer, but probably isn't going to contribute a whole lot on defense right away. But he is a draft pick from this year, albeit a seventh rounder. So that leaves Martin and Barnes. Well, those are your top two guys, so it's probably not going to be them. Is Campbell going to bump off a special teams playing draft pick just to be another just okay linebacker who doesn't play special teams? I don't know about that. It's a chance. That's probably the the path to the roster that makes sense for him. But he is probably going to take away one of the Packers' core special teamers if he does make the roster. That's not to say we need to get all worked up about this. Uh, I mean, getting a plus guy on defense, if he can be that, in exchange for a special teamer, is a good trade. The Packers also need linebacker talent, and even if he is limited... Getting a guy who has started more than 50 games in the NFL in June and adding him to the mix at a position where you have needs, I think that's a, that's, that's a good move. Just, I guess, create your expectations accordingly. He's probably not going to fix their inside linebacker group, but he does seem like the kind of guy who is worth rolling the dice on. So I've got for you on this episode of Blue 58, I appreciate you listening in. I appreciate everybody who takes the time to share these episodes with people you think would enjoy them. That is the number one way we grow this show, and it's the number one thing you can do to help support us because if you do that, that's going to get more people involved in this conversation we're having around the Packers and help everybody, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And that's great because, as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.